Hey everybody, I'm Peter and you know how it grew up. I'm not used to all these rules. He's Mike and big fears he has not faced. Mm, together we're Rebels Rebels, the podcast where we explore the Star Wars expanded universe through a deep dive on the animated series Star Wars Rebels. Today's guest is co-host of Black Series Rebels, an awesome podcast, former lead vocalist of Digital Vampiro, <laughs> and my rival high school band Nonstop, mm-hmm. creator of Shark Bites, and he's an actor and a producer. It's Alex Backus. How you doing, Alex? Hey, how's it going, buddy? Thank you for that really epic intro. <laughs> Uh, we really, we've really come a long way. We really hated each other in high school, man. We really hated each other. Yeah, for the <laughs> listeners, uh, we used to both sit near the PE building, but he would be on one side of Whoa. like the entrance corner, and I'd be on the other side mm-hmm. and be like, Ugh, "F Alex, man." The best, the best way to describe it would be like Peter was a little more on the cutting edge of music and was more into like hardcore and bands like the Used, and I was a little more into like punk like pennywise <laughs> like like bro yeah. punk so i basically sat with all the bro punks and he sat with all the sadder kids yeah <laughs> they were just a little sadder than we were but it's okay we're now we're buddies yeah i used to wear a poncho to to school every day you did wear a poncho mm-hmm. i still don't understand that fashion choice but we're best buddies now <laughs> <laughs> and i hated you both that was at the i was at the high school on the other side of town <laughs> on the other side of the tracks <laughs> and mike was actually a punk <laughs> uh, thank awesome. you for having me guys i'm i'm stoked to talk about uh star wars rebels uh steve my co-host on black series rebels i know he he's done the show now with you guys but we don't do a lot of rebels talk on our show because him and Francisco, they like it, but it's not their, mm. it's not their cup of tea. So I'm mm-hmm. excited to break this down a little bit. Oh yeah, and you, oh, you picked a good episode. Yeah, this... I forgot how good this episode is. I actually, I rewatched it this morning just to prep, and I was like, oh yeah, this is kind of like the first really good episode of Star <laughs> <Yeah>. Wars Rebels. <laughs> nice. All right. So before we get started, please subscribe on iTunes, your favorite podcast app. Lead of us a review on iTunes. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook. Snapchat, maybe. What? MySpace at oh, Rebels okay. Rebels Pod. Or you can email the show at Rebels Rebels Pod at gmail.com. You ready, Mike? Yep. You ready, Alex? I am ready, buddy. Oh, nice. here we go. Okay, a quick episode recap. This is Season 1, Episode 9, Path of the Jedi. Ezra must face a great challenge as part of his growth as a member of the team. All right, so the first scene and setting we have is the ghost on Lothal. Uh, Ezra running through a field (laughs) um, because he is late to training with Kanan. Mm-hmm. So, he says he was playing with Sabine. What yeah. do you think he was up to? I mean, Super, no spoilers. Oh, really weird excuse right <laughs> off the gate. Yeah. A really strange, weird excuse, but that's okay. <laughs> He's like skipping school to go hold hands. Uh, well, I love the knock on the door because he like knocks on Kanan's door and Kanan says, you know, well, you didn't knock. So, what makes you think you need an invite? And I love that, like, keeping it cash language. He's so petty. What makes you make... Yeah. I don't know. I just like that language. What makes you think you need an invite? I like that line, too, because it kind of shows that 
Kanan really won this this series starts out. He's such a jerk. Yeah. He's yeah. not a he's not a nice dude. He no. thinks he's awesome. And he kind of want to be like, dude, you're not awesome. You have a bad beard. You have bad <laughs> hair. Like you're not cool. Like if Kanan was in real life, everybody would be like, that guy's so cheesy. Yeah. But only in Star Wars do we let someone get away with that terrible chin beard mm-hmm. and that little ponytail. So like I love it because he looks right at Ezra and he's like, Oh yeah, you think you need to knock? And it's like, dude. He's a kid, man. <laughs> Mellow out on him. Like, you just snatched him up from his planet. Like, give him some time to adjust. You're late for a hacky sack sesh, bro. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, we, we've talked in depth about his Dave Matthews uh, look. Oh, yeah. Pretty on point. Uh, <laughs> Dave Matthews, totally. <laughs> totally. So, Kanan's worried because Ezra has, yeah, he's been... He's uh, farting around at the dark side. <laughs> All right. So the last episode, if you remember, he summoned that gigantic Frynok because he got pissed at the Inquisitor, tapped into the dark side. So uh, Mm. Kanan's a little little freaked about that. Yeah. So yeah, fear would be the uh, underlying emotion there, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, And but there's another thing we skipped over really quick is while he's waiting, um, Kanan's looking at a map that comes out of the holocron. And I just thought visually this map looked pretty sweet. Yeah, and the music, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I feel like this episode, too, because it's it's directed by Dave Filoni. Like, you can always tell when Filoni's stamp is really on it. Like, right off the bat, the episode is pretty visually beautiful. Like, oh, yeah. Ezra running through the field is a beautiful shot. Kanan looking at the map is a beautiful shot. I totally agree. I think while I was rewatching, that, I was like, man, even the animation in this episode. Like, it just, you can tell... When when Rebels really clicks, it clicks, and and this episode really clicks. Yeah, I'll, I'll totally agree with that. Um, and actually, you you brought up something that now I'm, I feeling like I'm outing myself as I don't I don't know. Does I thought Dave Filoni directed every episode? Does he not? Well, he's the creator. Okay, yeah. yeah. I, so I know he's the creator, but I, I also thought he was the directed most of the the first season. But now I'm wondering if that's not true. So I. I made a point to go in and look. He's supervising director. Okay. So I think that animation works very differently than um, obviously live action. I think Dave Filoni is supervising director, which basically makes him like the the top of the umbrella creatively. Okay. Yeah. So, but he but he also is credited as directing this episode. Okay. So I I don't know if that means that he I mean we have computers in our pockets I can launch IMDb <laughs> right now but I'm fairly certain he supervised directs everything but then there are individual directors because I I just don't think he could do that that's mm. a lot of work yeah. so I think he he his stamp is usually on like Twilight of the Apprentice or Twin Sons like those ones where you're like oh here comes the this is the episode this season. Usually that's when you, you find he's on it. Yeah. Nice. All right. Yeah. I, f- I found it. Thanks to your tip about this IMDB I've never heard about. <laughs> um, uh, it, it looks like, yeah, kind of a, he did about, he directed about 41 episodes throughout the whole thing, which is r- under what? half, maybe a yeah. third. So mm-hmm. about a third of them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you're totally right. Path of the Jedi was one and now that i'm kind of looking at the ones that he was the supervising director on i'm like oh man these are so many of the good ones (laughs) (laughs) at that point i wonder if it's like he he's just really talented so that's why they're good or does he just cherry pick the really good ones 
Like he just mm. read the scripts really good, and he's just like, "Oh, that one, that one, that one," because they're gonna be good. And everyone's he has a stack on his desk. It's like it's like the kid that takes all the good flavors of M and M's from the bowl. <laughs> it's like oh, only black licorice is left. Yeah. Oh man, all they got is butter popcorn. Dave Filoni's over there with all the cherries and the watermelons, <laughs> just like just like jamming in the corner. <laughs> um, oh man. So like we mentioned, uh, Ezra. And Kanan have a little tiff. And Ezra mm-hmm. says, I like this part. He's like, you know how I, how I grew up. I'm not used to all these rules, which I thought was actually kind of really deep. introspective again yeah. for like a 14 year old, 15 year old. Like it's kind of interesting class uh, politics there, I guess. Well, the, the whole episode, he has that kind of self-reflection skills that kind of blow my mind. Like in the temple, he will get there. He he's kind of. Yeah, able to have that kind of introspection again. That's mm-hmm. like, wow, he's 15. Yeah. Um, and Kanan says he lacks discipline and focus, which we've heard again. He says he, he yeah. may not be cut out for Jedi life. But then but then Kanan says that take a yeah, kind of cool down, get the Phantom ready. Uh, we're basically going to go like, I'm going to be testing you. Mm-hmm. And I like this moment is interesting because like Ezra kind of like, okay, he like kind of centers himself and cools down a little bit. And he says, as you say, master, <laughs> which I thought <laughs> that's kind of a weird turn of phrase. Like, I feel like they, the like someone originally wrote like, as you wish. And they're like, no, 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 two, two princess bride, like <laughs> go with as you say. <laughs> totally. <laughs> as you say. Because <laughs> that's I'm, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hera's hanging outside the door and you know, she reassures Kanan. Kanan confides that he is worried about what's going to happen in this test. He does not have confidence Beer. in his Padawan. I might regret this. You have to do this, Kanan. After what happened on the asteroid, you have to help him. I hope I can. I know you can. Yeah. I think that again, like when Rebels is doing its its best work, it because it, it's a kid show, right? Like, uh, not I'm not I'm totally not trying to be that guy, but uh, when you guys mentioned Shark Bites at the top of the show, mm-hmm. and I, I I did a lot of sort of uh, developing with Disney XD, and I learned a lot about how you write quality kids content mm-hmm. in, in a way that I didn't understand before, and. Off the bat, they're really they're subtly laying out the problems that we're going to solve throughout this episode. And, and it, you're right; it totally feels like, oh, once again, we're hearing Kanan say like <laughs> he lacks discipline. I don't understand. But what 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 Kanan's really saying is, is I don't have confidence in myself mm, to yeah. to fix these problems. So they're they're laying out all these little like pebbles that we're going to follow throughout the episode. And I thought it was really cool the way he sort of expresses that to Hera quickly and in a way where we get a little fun Hera moment. So we don't just feel like we're like, uh, uh, we're not, we're not in a bottle episode where it's Mm. just like off and we're just with these two. We still see some of the ghost crew before we start. Totally. But but then again, though, I also kind of go, I think rebels works at its best when it is those bottle episodes, Mm. when they're just with like two of them. I always feel like I'm, I'm checking my phone more on the episodes where it's like, they're all in there and we know everything that's going on with all of them at any mm-hmm. given time. So I think that's why this episode stuck out with me too. Mm-hmm. Hmm. How do you feel about space whales? Space whales. 
I mean, listen, like <laughs> I bring it up a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing. Like Dave Filoni is like a very outspoken Lord of the Rings nerd. Mm-hmm. And you can see it even in The Last Jedi. They're really trying to bring in some more fantasy mystical elements into this franchise because honestly, like we have to grow from where we are. It can't always just be like, I mean, it Mm -hmm. should always be blasters and lightsabers and smugglers and Jedis, but there has to be more here or this universe isn't going to grow. We're going to get, it is going to get stale. So like, yeah, or space whales to me are a total swing and a miss, (laughs) but, but also like, at least you swung. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I, Absolutely. I would rather have them do that than be like, we're going to battle st- red stormtroopers. You know what I mean? Or like, <laughs> yeah, totally. oh, red. Those are green troopers. Like, it, it's <laughs> nice to see them like make adjustments in, in that way. But uh, how do I feel about space wells? I could take them or leave them. <laughs> I could take them or leave them. Long, long story short. Nice. Um, I just like to get everyone's take on space wells if I can. Of course. Um, so they're in the Phantom now, and Kanan tells Ezra they need to find a Jedi temple, and Ezra is going to lead them there using the Force. Yeah, and mm-hmm. Kanan gives Ezra a little, like a mini Jedi history lesson. And it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like Kanan is padding so much of himself, like by saying, "Oh, it was different for me. Everything was different back then. Like times have changed." He's almost like. He's almost patting himself just in case he fails. Like, no, it was different. Like, this is these are different times, and um, I, I don't know. There's just I think like Alex said, these are he's just laying out all of these self confidence issues and like fear and yeah. Um, and I don't want to get into it too much right now, but I thought this was kind of interesting thematically. I heard something that Pablo Hidalgo said about the end of this episode when Ezra gets a little prize at the end of his yeah. thing mm-hmm. about how that's a completely different way than it has been done in the past. So, yeah, you know, we'll get to that. Um, yeah, yeah. But I thought this, it's kind of interesting that Kanan's kind of like going by the seat of his pants too. You know, yeah. there was a structure set up for him when he was taking his trials, when he was yeah. taking his, whenever he would get tested, it was like in the official like Jedi temple with the official Jedi trainer. And Kanan's just kind of like, uh, let's try to find a temple and see how that goes. <laughs> And I think that kind of plays into to greater themes here. Like a spoiler alert, we're recording this after The Last Jedi's come out. So if you're listening to a Rebels podcast <laughs> and you haven't seen Last Jedi yet, well, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say other than, all right, r- rock and roll. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I think that that, yes, the prize Ezra gets at the end, Kanan's in, insecurity. All these things are sort of playing into this idea that like, structure and big systems and big power like george lucas and his themes have never been fans of these ideas no he's he's very anti big money big corporation big giant groups of people with set doctrines he doesn't like those ideas and kanan saying like oh well it was different back then in a weird way like kanan needs to let go of that he needed like it's different now It, it, it like to quote Last Jedi, like they're re- all of these shows and all of the comics and everything are really playing on this idea now of like, let the past die. We have to grow past that. Mm-hmm. We ha- we we're, or we're going to keep repeating kill the it same if you mistake. Must. Yeah, kill it. Yeah. yeah, kill it if you must. Like it, and and I think that like it's really interesting to hear Pablo Hidalgo say like this is a different way to get a kyber crystal. It's not a wrong way. Mm-hmm. It's just different. Yeah, and 
that that's it isn't it crazy to see like they're laying out that theme as early as season one mm-hmm. of yeah. rebels and i mean i guess cool. we can just jump into it now because it is interesting pablo hidalgo said that you know this was probably always a way that they got kyber crystals but as we know from clone wars yeah they were the young padawans and they went to ilum yeah. which was the planet of kyber crystals and did a test to get their crystals. yeah they go to they go to disney's matterhorn and they pick out a crystal <laughs> oh, yeah thank yeah. you yeah yeah that was uh episode six of the uh season five of the clone wars that was because i rewatched yeah. that episode after watching this yeah that episode's called the gathering because it and it's it's a great ep- i actually really like that episode where ah- ahsoka takes those six six padwans to yeah literally the matterhorn mm-hmm. and then like a ceremonial ship they took over there it was yeah. all very like I don't know what the word is. Like, it was all traditional and like, it's how it has been done for thousands of years. But Pablo Hidalgo said specifically, like, they could have always just gotten it from a temple. They just yeah. kind of forgot that's how it happened yeah. because they were kind of myopic in there. This is the way that Pad wants to get well, the crystals. Well, yeah. And, and I think it's, I, I like, I, I think it's really intentional that this episode is entitled Path of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. And I think there's mm-hmm. inferences in that, that there are many different paths, Right to becoming yeah. a Jedi. I mean, I, I really like the spiritual religious elements of the Jedi. And I, I kind of like the idea that it is, they're moving away from this single minded, you know, narrow path to, Oh, well there may, maybe there's many ways to get to the same ending. Um, and kind of that idea of like kind of the, what is that called? Universalism. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, even what Luke says, right. He, when he, he gives Ray her three lessons, Right. I always go back to the movies because mm-hmm. to me, the movies are like, those are law. Yeah. Like if, if we're if we're always going to like look at what Star Wars tells us is true, what is canon, what is fault, whatever, we always go back to like tentpole movies. And then I kind of try to piece my theories and themes based off that. And Luke in her in his second test array, he says the Jedi are nothing but failure. Mm-hmm. Like if we really want to go through it, yeah. like it's really it's just a lot of people messing up over history because we're probably not doing it right. Maybe we need to stop reading these old books, let the past die. I mean, obviously <laughs> we're going to keep like playing on that theme, yeah. but I think that is really interesting too, just to hear him say, to hear Pablo say like, it, there's no right way yeah. for any <laughs> of this from, from start to finish. So yeah, I mean, it's really, they're really layering those ideas in this episode. Yeah. It's a great episode. Absolutely. And if, and if anything, like not only is there not a specific right way, but there are potentially wrong ways. And I think a lot of the prequels, which I will defend, um, I think a lot of the prequels set that up with the Jedi's failure. I mean, the fact that they're literally in an ivory, you know, tower in a city mm-hmm. on a planet city, disconnected from nature, like a, a, a devoid of spirituality that they let one of the greatest Siths rise right under their nose and aren't able to recognize what's happening around them. That disconnection, um, I think, is mm-hmm. totally Well, it's up. pure hubris. Yeah. It's pure yeah. hubris. It's just like, it doesn't matter the choices you're making. It, it matters why you're making them, right? So, like, if, if, you, if you, like, slap a charity logo on a corporation that isn't doing any good charity work, mm-hmm. you're not really a charity. You can say you're a nonprofit all you want. But until you do the good work, right? And the Jedi mm-hmm. are always preaching, oh, peace. Even Yoda says in Empire Strikes Back, a Jedi uses these powers for defense, never attack. We watch the Jedi go to <laughs> war 
the entire prequel like, like straight up like we will fight this until it's yeah. fixed mm -hmm. and everything's back and yeah totally like the prequels are showing us if anything that the jedi are they're they're needing a re where they got to update their software system right it's yeah. not working yeah there's i mean i was i saw a screenshot of sith where i noticed that obi-wan kenobi's ship has like carvings on the side of it or like stamps for every clone ship he's blown up like a world war ii pilot who's like <laughs> scratching off his kills and yeah. that's so interesting to me because it's so anti the jedi doctrine of like never for attack only defense like knowledge and defense mm -hmm. and so there i think you know a lot of people want to you know crap on george lucas for some of his choices probably rightfully so but he was laying a lot of this interesting like hubris and the Jedi lost their path, like they were set themselves up to fall. And so I think this episode's really good at kind of centering us again and kind of leading us down, you yeah. know, the path that the Jedi in general need to go down instead of just only Kanan and Ezra. Yeah. Well, and that's what I feel like the sequel trilogy and all of this new canon with Marvel and Rebels, what they're kind of doing is they're they're presenting George Lucas's ideas from the prequels mm -hmm. in, in a way that I don't want to say fixes them, <laughs> but they, cause I love the prequels too, but I mean, they're, they're, de they're not executed well. Yeah. They're fantastic stories that are executed really poorly and it's not, and you know, I, I wouldn't, <laughs> I couldn't do any better. I, I, there's no way I could do it better mm -hmm. than George Lucas. Um, but what, what, what I'm starting to hear a lot of like star Wars podcasts talk about what we're talking about, what you guys are talking about on your show is Nobody was talking about the Jedi and their hubris until <laughs> like Last Jedi came out and Rebels started coming out and people started realizing, oh, no, that's not what this is about. Mm -hmm. It's not about like your pure bloodline. It's not about how many midi-chlorians you have. It's about your choices you make, how you're able to access your power and what you do with it. And I think that was Lucas's intention all along. But when we heard midi-chlorians, we went... What the hell are midi-chlorians? <laughs> and in a weird way, that almost is the reaction George wants you to have, just not as an attack of the movie. Yeah. He wants you to be like, wow, the Jedi really lost their way testing the blood yeah. of yeah. these kids. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot. All right. So, we are finding this temple. Mm. Um, Ezra feels out with the Force. And there are, he says he knows where one is it's on lothal yeah which is i'm this is the only point of the episode where i was like really there i think this is a terrific episode that was the one point where i was like okay all over like i'm gonna let that slide just the fact that there's a it conveniently placed temple on lothal i mean it's not i mean i'm like oh, i'm okay with it but i was like ah, it's a little convenient i think i think this this last season is going to make that okay they yeah. keep they keep really hitting they, how yeah. important Lothal is yeah, to it, the ghost true. crew. So I'll let that slide, assuming that it's gonna like wrap up. Yeah, you know, at some point here on Lothal, I have similar feelings. So, yeah, and but, Dave Dave Filoni actually said there was a lot of debate within the the writing team about whether or not that was believable, but they fell on the side of basically, you know, Ezra has a connection to this place for a specific reason. Yeah, and so. There's a lot of stuff going on in Lothal right now. And maybe the reason why Ezra was there and Kanan was pulled there. Um, you know, he mentions sure. in the most recent re season that maybe there's a reason that 
Caden and Hera kept coming back to Lothal. What do you think it that, is? Yeah. One, two, three. Love. The Force. Oh, damn it. You're supposed to say the Force to everything. <laughs> the food. The food. The food. The food. Yeah. One, two, three. The food. One, two, three. Food. <laughs> Dave, this is Keller Meluron fruits. There. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> it's similar to like Luke's X-Wing being pulled down on Dagobah, like conveniently close to Yoda's house. Like, yeah, totally. Force magnetized. <laughs> well... It's so funny that you mentioned the fruit too, because like that fruit stuff is the stuff that makes me think that I shouldn't like Star Wars as much as I do. Because <laughs> mm. yeah. I go like, I like something that has made up a fruit. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm into something that has various f- fake fruits yeah. that have been created or various colored milks. And I'm like, mm-hmm, that's tight. That's a tight, that's a super cool melon. <laughs> How do you like those jogans? <laughs> Oh boy. Um, so they find the temple and Ezra is tasked with finding an entrance, but he's warned by Kanan to not take too long because the Empire has the entire Jedi records and they might be watching this temple. They might know about it. Yeah. There's there's two points of this episode that I'm gonna bring up that I got this Lord of the Rings vibe from. Um mm-hmm. and this is one and this is one of the points where like uh they're standing outside the door trying to figure out how to get in. It's not yeah, it's not, not a blatant rip off. No, but no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just got like a something about this. This scene was, you know, speak friend mm-hmm. and enter. Yeah. How do you How do you guys feel about the design of this temple? I think it's cool. Fine. Yeah. I don't know. I like yeah. that it's very natural. Yeah. So that I'm cool with that. It. I I feel a little like um, I I like it when Star Wars doesn't just give me a temple. Mm-hmm. So like, and I think that's something really interesting too, because we learn in that force back with Luke, he literally builds a temple yeah. <laughs> and and we're, we're noticing that they don't really like the old school Jedi didn't really do that. Mm-hmm. They just like picked a tree. They like parked <laughs> themselves by a tree, carved it out and put some books in it. Yeah. Or they like had a bunch of little fish nuns like chilling, <laughs> like in some little like stone huts. But so I, I actually, I like it when the temples are more natural. I know I joked about Matterhorn earlier, but I kind of like it when it's like, Oh yeah, this is a temple and it's just a cave. You're like, all right, I'll take it. Yeah, well, it makes it makes sense to me because if the force is this all natural, you know, energy that's binding and collecting everything, then of course it's going to. I mean, not of course. I would hope it exists in the most natural place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I. I mean, and just visually, I think it's cool. I like so he figures out that both Master and Padwan need to work together, to open it, and I kind of like this thing that it does this corkscrew up and yeah, lifts cool. up like yeah. i think that's a cool mechanic um and it feels to me very like like we we're saying very natural like it's just basically a big rock or a mountain yeah but it's also like super high tech jedi security because you yeah. need to basically pass all these like crypto tests of like you need to know the force you need to have two people you need to know where it is well they do that in um they do that in Twilight's Apprentice, Twilight of the Apprentice, too. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Ezra and Maul, he's like, nope, I need to do it with an apprentice. Yep. It seems like that's a very, sna- like, if you're going to enter one of these holy places, you better have, better be on the buddy system. <laughs> like, yeah. You can't just, like, stro- probably the only one I would say that could probably stroll in there solamente is is Yoda. Mm-hmm. And maybe and maybe Luke. Like, Luke, because everyone's like, well, you're the only one, so you can just come on in. Mm-hmm. But... Totally. Like, and, and I love that shot. Like this whole episode, the thing that I love the most about it is that it feels very cinematic. Yeah. Like that shot where like Kanan raises his hand and then Ezra raises his hand together and you see the rock come up. It's very reminiscent of that shot in Last Jedi where Ray lifts the boulders and that you see her in the mm. middle and all the boulders mm. are like kind of perfectly framing her. Um, 
that 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 when they lift that rock, it's like, yeah, this is this is good, man. It's a, it's a shame that like episodes like this don't get more love yeah. from Rebels folks because it's a good one. Absolutely. Um, so they go into the temple and they stumble upon two corpses in the temple. Um, this is this is the sec- this is the se- this is the second super Lord of the Rings shot because when For it sure. when it yeah. goes to the face of the corpse, <laughs> the camera kind of like twists as it moves, and it's totally that scene of Lord of the Rings where like zooms into all the skulls, and they're like, "Oh no!" Like when they're, and, they're, and it's the, it's the Mines of Moria. Yeah, it's very Indiana yeah, Jones. It's too. totally Mines of Moria. Yeah. Um. So and Kanan's just like, I'm gonna chill here with these guys. Like, why? I know <laughs> why. <laughs> I also like that he. So I mean, this makes them lose focus, and they get locked in the temple. <laughs> yeah, and Kanan kind of says like, Ezra needs to go down the path on his own. And these were masters that their padwans never came back. You lost focus. Well, dead guys are distracting. In here, you'll have to face your worst fears and overcome them. And there's no guarantee of success. I have plenty of faith. Faith, you'll keep me on track. I'm not going with you. What? Where are you gonna be? Right here, with them, masters whose Padawans never returned. You're putting your life in my hands? You put your training in mine. And so like, to me, there's one of two things that happened. First, either like, these masters- Can't open the door by themselves. Yeah, but they're not like in pain or anything. They're just still sitting in their meditation pose and they like, just yeah. rotted to death, like not moving. Like they didn't get up and be like, oh, I'm a little thirsty. They just mm. sat there for three days and died. Or yeah. the Jedi who like constructed this temple just like put them there as a scare tactic. Like, <laughs> ooh, we're going to make this spooky. Like they're probably not even real. They just went to the space spirit store and bought some <laughs> skeletons <laughs> yeah. to scare people. They're like, oh, guys, we're building some temples. Let's hit that Halloween town <laughs> in Burbank and grab some spooky skeletons for the lobby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lucky it was space Halloween time. Yeah. Um, there's a little <laughs> bit of an Easter egg here, too. Um, if y'all Google the words Ralph McQuarrie. Okay. Yavin. Yeah. Um, there's a pretty famous concept art from Ralph McQuarrie of the Yavin Temple. And so this is original New Hope concept art of what Yavin oh, looks like. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, and so you see these columns with yeah. like these weird symbols carved into them, and these are the same symbols that are carved in the Jedi Temple on the, in this episode. So you'll huh. see these these symbols on the wall everywhere. Yeah. yeah, they look like like they're like straight lines, kind of like Y's and I's and N's, just kind of wrapped around the column. They're kind of cool. Yeah. <clears throat> well, um, so as we said, Ezra needs to take the trials on his own, and if he never is, returns, Canon will become a corpse. Like the ones in the entrance. Yeah. And so he's essentially putting his life in Ezra's hands. And he tells Ezra to look for nothing and everything. Yeah. I, I That was the one line where I was like, eh, I could take or leave it. Look for nothing and everything. It was a little like, yeah. why don't you, like, I like Yoda's, uh, what, what, what's in there? Only what you bring with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that, that to uh, me is way more interesting than what am I looking for? Nothing and everything. Mm-hmm. It's like, is that supposed to be profound? Yeah. <laughs> like it's... Well, it, maybe because Kanan's not as G as Yoda. He's just not as gangsta yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like he saves it a little bit because I had the same exact reaction. But then like the door closes, like Ezra's like, what does that mean? And like, yeah, as the door's closing. He's like, I don't know. My master said that to me and I didn't get yeah, it either. Yeah. So like, I like how he's just kind of parroting. He does this a lot. He parrot, he parrots these things like what he thinks. Yeah. yeah. Earlier, he says like, do or do not. 
there is no try, but he admits he doesn't even really know what that means. Like, yeah, it kind of shows his insecurity. Um, but mm-hmm. I agree. I rolled my eyes at first when I heard it. Well, it reminded Yoda's, um, but what he said, you know, what he's explaining to, uh, to Ezra. As you better say there. this in the Yoda voice. I'm not going to stand for any more Yoda quotes without a Yoda voice. <laughs> All right. Well noted, but it, well, it just reminds me of like the dark side cave, right? Yeah. On, uh, or the cave of evil, uh, on Dagobah, like, and it kind of, it reminds me of, you know, him warning Luke against like, you won't need those. Like you don't need those weapons in mm-hmm. this place to which he, you know, Luke gives him the finger. <laughs> <laughs> so Ezra and Kanan are separated by a big stone door thing and Ezra comes to a fork in the road and this is kind of an interesting so first of all I like how he's trying to pick which door and he says loath rat loath cat loath wolf run pick a path and all is done which I think I'm going to do from now on and people are going to think I'm crazy but that's how I'm going to make decisions (laughs) from now on I love those damn loath cats (laughs) and I I also like this because we've seen uh, loath cats and loath wolves have we seen a loath rat yet no no, I have not seen a loath rat. Oh, I can't wait for that loath It's going to end up being so clutch in the finale. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're like, we're stuck in this sewer. What do we do? And one loath yeah. rat just pops his head. It's like, well, hello. He's got like a little curly mustache, <laughs> a little suit. And they're like, oh my gosh, loath rats are like, they're running the show. Yeah, like here. this. Um, so he's doing his little rhyme and Kanan actually comes out and surprises him and is like, is that really how you're going to do this? And he says, what happened to trusting me? And he's like, second thoughts, fortunately. <laughs> Should have brought the holocron. Lothrat, Lothcat, Lothwolf run. Pick a path and all is done. Really? That's how you're choosing? What happened to using the force? What happened to having faith in me? Second thoughts, fortunately. Come on. So I think we know what's going on. Yeah. You know, it, right away. Right yeah. away, you yeah. know what's going on. So I'm not... Like, There's no... I mean, I don't feel bad about this spoiler, but Ghost Kanan's kind of a dick. Yeah. Well, they all are. Yeah. I think the the ghost crew is way more harsh. Uh, yeah, the ghost ghost crew. The ghost ghost crew is so harsh. Um. So they Ghost Kanan leads him down one of the paths, and you hear a lightsaber and a cry of pain. Kanan, slow down! I told you we might not have much time. Kanan. Inquisitor. I felt a disturbance in the Force the moment the Jedi decided to bring you here, Padawan. No. Now, who dies first? And Ezra runs in to see that the Inquisitor has wounded Ghost Kanan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Base Ghost Kanan is killed. Yeah, so there's a fight. Uh, Space Ghost Kanan is killed. One little touch about this that I liked, um, which I don't know how to, how to reconcile it specifically with how this all concludes, but at one point, the Inquisitor Illusion force chokes Ezra and pulls him off the ground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So obviously, they can physically interact. It yeah. gives some danger. It raises the stakes, which I like. Only as much as he'll allow it. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's I think that's the I think that's a really a good point, Mike. It's like as much as Ezra's willing to believe what he's seeing, mm, yeah. that it, it, it's it's how much it will manifest in his mind. So yeah. it's not until Ezra's like, this isn't real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. that I'm not afraid of this. I'm not afraid of this idea of facing down these evil 
these Sith or Inquisitors or whatever he's going to end up facing. Like, right? They both, I feel like they both sort of need, they're both overcoming fear. That seems to be the big thing that they both need to overcome. As needs to become, overcome the idea that he's going to have to fight with this crew and stand for something like mm-hmm. they do. And Kanan's like, I have to get over the fact that like, yeah, I'm not ready to be a master, but I don't have much of a choice. Totally. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I, and I'm assuming that's how the other two Padwans died. <laughs> um, assuming those corpses are real yeah. that, uh, they let themselves. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Yeah. And I like that it yeah. kind of, it, it, it lends credibility to why, cause I mean, the second cannon shows up, all three of us go, okay, it's an illusion. Yeah. And especially when he later falls down and he's all of a sudden back on the ghost, it would be like, okay, this is all not real. But I'd imagine if you just got choked and lifted off the ground by this thing you think isn't real, it would really throw you for a little loop where you're so disoriented that maybe logically you can say like, okay, these pieces aren't real, but your body is just like amped up and yeah. you really got to overcome some stuff within yourself. And that- and that's a kind of a good example too of showing you how it's a kid show mm-hmm. because a, a kid show shows you Kanan first. If you, a kid show, he pops in there and the first thing he says, see, says is, Oh my God, inquisitors. Like kids would, <laughs> they'd be like, Oh my God, inquisitors. Like kids wouldn't <laughs> put together that it's a force vision. Like yeah. they would seriously be like, Oh my God, Ezra's dead. Like they wouldn't be able to process. Oh wait, it was a vision. It wouldn't have the same thing. Like they really have to lay it out for a kid. Like, Oh, something's off. Canaan's yep. supposed to be in that cave. Now he's here. This doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So yeah, totally. Um, so he freaks out. Canaan's dead and he falls off this cliff's edge, but lands on the ghost. Like <laughs> we mentioned, and he sees the ghost ghost crew. Yeah. And they are mm-hmm. talking some junk about Ezra. Mm-hmm. They're having a bit of a, a snarky breakfast club. <laughs> yeah. Kind of. I kind of hated this. Yeah, I, this is the one part of the episode where I'm like, this really is not good. Mm-hmm. It was a little, <laughs> a little extra. I do think that Sabine's drag was so brutal, though. Yeah, he's like, oh yeah, he's just a little kid. I pity him. Like, oh, I hate that. It's like, like, I pity your I haircut. I hate it. It's so <laughs> stupid. Sabine's like, he's such a little kid. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I will say is, I do think. That that's what Sabine says is kind of the worst thing Ezra could hear. Because, you know, Hera says, you know, he had a useful skill set. That's the only reason we like him. And I feel like he'd be like, that's (laughs) that's crappy. But I mean, whatever. But the fact that this girl he's into that he's like playing in a field with and, you know, obviously has feelings for is like, oh, he's such a little kid. I pity him. Like that would be such a blow to his 15 year old little ego (laughs) that I think that really would be the one that really. Yeah, I'm trying to up. think of a movie where that exact thing plays out. There's th- there's a very famous mm. like kids movie where it's like such a little kid and the kid's like, oh, he's like so <laughs> affected. But you're I mean, you're right. Yeah. Like that, that that's a great moment of like, of course, like a kid watching that is going to be like, oh, that. Yeah, I hate it when people tell me I'm just a kid. As an adult, I watch that and go like, yeah, suck it up, kid. Like. <laughs> They're space Nazis taking over the galaxy. You got bigger stuff to worry about. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but luckily, the Inquisitor shows up and kills them all. So it's all <laughs> whatever. Oh <my> God. <laughs> what if this wasn't a dream? What if this oh actually like was like the Red Wedding episode? Oh my gosh. Of, of Rebels, and you're like, oh my God! Yeah. And then they just like turn around, and the Bendu's there, and he's like, now Rebels begins. Oh. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> wait, wait, why is the Bendu there? <laughs> he shows up, dude. Oh, okay, yeah. that's the big reveal. Bendu. Oh. This is all Bendu's doing. <laughs> I mean. What if it was Yoda I mean, I love an it. Inquisitor mask and he just killed them all? Yeah, but he never takes off the Inquisitor mask. You just see his ears behind it. <laughs> and he's like, is that Yoda? No. But he like is trying to do like an Inquisitor voice, but still talks in the same like rev- like backwards. So it's like, Inquisitor, I am not. Like, why are you talking like Yoda then? Yeah. Why do you sound like Lucius Malfoy, but with weird phrasing? <laughs> Um, love it so so wait so so they so they fall yep he falls they kill him mm-hmm. scariness yep and then <laughs> and now he's back in the temple and he's being he's facing down the inquisitor who is coming down he's bearing down he's ready for his kill shot no way out padawan there's always a way out if i follow my training ready to die boy or are you afraid to face your demise no. Afraid of being alone again? Sure. Afraid of letting down my master? Absolutely. Your master lies dead and rotting in a forgotten tunnel. You could hardly have let him down more. I'm not afraid. That's right through him. Yep. Yep. Whoa! Mm-hmm. This uh, th- this moment is great because mostly because we're done with this weird force vision that I think we've mm-hmm. seen a bajillion times yep. in Star Wars. Yeah, and the next part is my favorite part with you. Yes, I love it. The this, next part, I was like, "This is the best." Yes, part. this is this is what makes this episode so freaking cool. Uh, yeah, he hears so right after he conquers his fear. He hears Yoda's voice. It is Frank Oz, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. And one, I love one of his lines. It says, "Big fears you have faced." <laughs> I just I don't know why. Not great fears you have faced, or like fears you have faced, but big fears. Big fears have you faced, young one? Yes. Mm-hmm. For what lies ahead, ready are you? I am. Come, see more clearly what you could not see before. Who are you? A guide. My only issue with this Yoda, and this is just my own personal preference, is I really prefer kooky Yoda. I just will always prefer wackadoo, like living, like totally senile, been alone for 30 years so he's yeah. just a little nuts now i prefer that yoda but you get a little bit of it in this he mm-hmm. like ezra says something and yoda goes like <laughs> yeah. well i don't like, yeah giggles. it's like yoda's he's not crazy yet because he's no. only been he he still has like another 10 years solid probably couple years mm-hmm. on dagobah before he goes real nuts yeah yeah because i that's what I, I was thinking the exact thing and when this happened i was trying to do some mental math i was like okay they're about they're about four years out from a new hope. new hope and from a new hope until the Dagobah scene, like three, three years, years maybe three years. Yeah. Okay. So he's yeah, about seven like years, years from being a total kook. Yeah. 
Which, all right, seven <laughs> years more of like losing your mind. That that seems reasonable. Yeah. Kooky uh, Yoda is is so much better uh, on so many levels. Like I can Black Series Rebels will do an entire episode where I will defend Kooky Yoda oh. as being the best Star Wars character. No, it's ever. it's a, it's absolutely genius. Something I remember them cutting out of Revenge of the Sith that was in the original um, script was after when Yoda's on Kashyyyk and Order sixty six happens, he kind of goes into hiding right away on Kashyyyk. And so he, in the original script, uh, starts acting super kooky and pretends he's like a swamp uh. creature on Kashyyyk and is like these clone troops, troopers come up to him and he starts like acting all crazy and weird. Like he's like an ant <laughs> and it. he's like lost his robe and he's like, he has like a, he's, he's like, like in the, he's like in the mud and he's like, oh, and he starts, he's acting just like really kooky to like hide the fact that he's like Master Yoda and they're like, oh, who's this weird guy? And it's supposed to like, set up this whole like secret identity for Yoda for Dagobah which I'm I'm glad they cut out <laughs> but you don't uh, need it I yeah, don't need you no. to explain that it's all a big ruse like yeah. I just kind of I think it's totally justifiable that he lives on Dagobah for 30 years and just kind of gets like you know yeah mm-hmm. he, mellow, he he also mellows out yeah yeah like he 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 lets go of that like I'm the greatest Jedi who ever lived and just sort of was like doesn't matter mm-hmm. like none of this matters like all it, it, and that that little moment with yoda where because that's always my favorite stuff in empire strikes back my favorite empire strikes back is my favorite star wars movie i mean you know mm-hmm. obviously mo- most people pretty much agree with that um although return of the jedi is the answer we get the most of on our show which is weird Whoa. i don't understand that yeah but i just, wonder if it's because actually we've talked about this and i think if we grew up, that was the first one I remember really watching is right in my wheelhouse because of our age. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Most people either saw it in the theater, they're like the perfect age to have seen it in the theater, or it was the first one they saw because it came out on VHS and everyone was like, watch this mm. one, it's got the Ewoks. Yeah, I don't think it's the best movie, but it's the one that gives me the most fuzzy feelings. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'll give you that. But, yeah. It, but I, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, but it's interesting. You're right. My my quick response is a new hope because it's the only one that was created in a vacuum, like without any audience pleasing reaction, outside influence. I don't know. I love it. My quick you know, response is clones because of Dexter Jetster. Um, for your audience that's listening to this, because I know you're gonna have me rate this episode. I want to let you know right now, the bottom, like the worst, <laughs> the worst, and anything, <laughs> right. Dexter Jester is the worst thing that ever happened. Mm. I know, I'm just trying to rally you up. I know how you oh, feel dude, about it's Dexter so Jester. <laughs> it makes no sense. It makes no sense how a 1950s themed diner is in Star Wars. It makes no sense. Okay, moving uh, on. Yeah, yeah. Camino Saberdar. <laughs> um, <sighs> one other thing to 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 wrap up the crazy Yoda thing is I do like you do see shades of it. He's not full on like, but I feel like there's a difference between like prequel Yoda. He's very stoic. Like when he's talking to Anakin about his force visions, it's like he gets very snappy when we see him. He's like, no, focus. And you see this because he appears to Kanan too. Yeah. And Kanan, you know, confides in him that he doesn't feel like he's a good teacher. And Yoda doesn't respond in a way like, oh, you'll be fine. Everything will be okay. He's like, get over that. Patience. Remember you nothing of your own training? Master Yoda. Can't be. I'm losing it. Losing. Lost. Yes. But 
what lost hmm? the question that is he has yeah. has that sharpness to him where he's been alone doesn't really notice interact with people anymore which i like that but yeah he's not full on crazy maybe a revenge of the sith would have never happened if when anakin like sat down with yoda and he was like <laughs> i'm worried I have like I'm worried about death. I'm wor- I having mm. these terrible visions, yeah. and Yoda just went like, <laughs> just like laughed in yeah. his face, popped him in the head, popped him with his cane, and was like, "Dude, mellow out, like mellow out." <laughs> um. So the final trial, these um floating, like he okay. says that he said Yoda yeah. says he's a guide, and I have and I have to talk about those like floating little well, orbs for that because I want to say the one thing that I thought was interesting because obviously Ezra wouldn't have the same reaction. You know, you hear, we hear this voice. It's yeah. so iconic. And we go, Yoda, oh, my God. And he goes, who are you? Like, it's not like there's the famous Yoda that everyone yeah. knows throughout the galaxy. He's just like, what's who are you? And he just says, I'm a guide. I'm going to lead you to your path in these floating. Mm-hmm. Which is true. Yeah. The lights come out, which are cool and trippy. And I love those lights. And they totally appear in the Clone Wars when Qui-Gon Jinn comes to Yoda to oh. teach him how to force ghost pretty much. And so I love that kind of, I love that continuity because that's my all-time favorite moment. Uh, one of my all-time favorite moments. That sounds like a Wars. hip dance. Like uh, Yoda taught him how to force ghost. <laughs> like everybody <laughs> force ghost. Yeah. Yeah, we're not far but away from it. It's like the stanky leg, yeah. but it's like with a lightsaber. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I agree with you, Mike. I think uh, I really love it when they when they present similar ideas in a new way. So just the idea of being visited by sort of like a force presence, but just mm-hmm. having it be these twinkly green lights. I would actually love to see more of that in the movies. Oh, like, yeah. you know, cool. you know, a lot of people have like this visceral reaction to saying, well, we'll just have Ewan McGregor be force ghost Obi and people go, no, make them twinkly blue lights. Yeah. 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 You know, totally. Absolutely. Um, so Yoda leads him down this path and asks, Ezra, why he wants to be a Jedi, Bridger says, it'll allow him to be more powerful, which will allow him to no longer be helpless and make the Empire suffer for everything it's done to him. And I like yeah. how Yoda is kind of always like, really? Is that what Caden taught you? Tell me, why must you become Jedi? I don't know. I guess because Kanan believes I can. Ah, Kanan thinks you can. Hmm. And you? Well, I'll become stronger, powerful. Oh. Power you seek. I'd make the Empire suffer for everything it did, for everything it took from my parents. I, I wouldn't be helpless anymore. Ah, Jedi way is revenge. Did you this your master did? But like, I feel like that's a pretty yeah. big red flag. <laughs> yeah. Well, he reigns it. He <laughs> he reigns it. He reigns it in Whoa. pretty oh, well. Boy. Yeah. And then he tempers it by you know, you know, he's not going to be using it for revenge. Mm-hmm. That he wants to protect everyone. Yeah, the except galaxy. for the time where he said he wants revenge. But, you know. Well, um, that re- yeah, the red flag. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but yeah, he does recover. He says, no, like, Kanan would never do that. He's a good teacher. Like, I just want to protect my friends and not just my friends, like everyone in the galaxy. No. And this is, this is, I think, you know, a, a turning point for Ezra when he says that he admits, you know, when he was by himself, he never cared about helping anyone until he met Kanan and the rest of the crew. Does it confuse you when Yoda asks him, what does that make you feel? And he says, alive. 
<laughs> in that moment, right when that happened, I want in the background to go, ah, to I feel so alive. <laughs> <laughs> I think that song needs to start playing. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. Of, I mean, that's not a bad emotion to feel like mm-hmm. alive. Like I, I understand like the sentiment, but. Yep. And this is another very cinematic shot. This, this might be my favorite shot. Where the hall disappears, yeah, this and he's just like so kind cool. of looks like he's floating in space. It's just on the invisible invisible bridge and the yeah, temple of doom, totally. And then this little star, we think it's like a little star. It's got a blue tint to it. Just kind of floats down to him, and as it reaches his hands out, and it's a little blue crystal. I meant the invisible bridge in the Last Crusade. I think. That was what it. if director Krennic popped out and goes <laughs> yoink, <laughs> just like pulls it and you're like, hey! <laughs> Turns out Ezra, Ezra's crystal is the Death Star crystal. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Death Star. <laughs> this yeah. is why I'm not on the Lucasfilm story group right totally. there. Yoink. <laughs> yoink. Ben Mendelsohn just like pops it. It's just like a really delicate, like you just see two fingers reach in. Bing, yeah. I could see Jin Urso running. I mean, uh, Lyra Urso running in yelling that it needs puts to it be, on a necklace it needs to be in a like, museum <laughs> she puts it on a necklace and goes everything's connected <laughs> just like jumps out the front <laughs> the front <laughs> cave just yells continuity continuity yeah part of me yeah. wishes that this this uh kyber crystal is green because in my mind like yoda's sending people the crystals mm. and i just like to think that like for like yoda is very possessive Insist of lightsaber that colors green. Like, everyone should be green <laughs> Everyone should. Everyone needs a green. Blah blah blah. Green's the best. What if there was like this weird mutiny with colors? Like Yoda was trying to get everybody to have green lightsabers, <laughs> yeah. and then Mason was like, "I think I'm going to go with purple." And then Yoda goes, "Green's cool. Green's cool, guys." And he starts looking around. Everyone's like, "No, I like blue." They're all picking all these colors, and he's like, "Everybody likes green." And that was that's the only reason why Luke went green because yeah. he felt bad. I don't know like, if this is true, but I heard a story that um, when they cast. Samuel L. Jackson, they were asking yeah. everyone who, like, what color lightsaber mm-hmm. they want. And this is 100% Jackson, true. Yeah. He's <laughs> Just, like, I want purple. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I want purple. And they, like, kind of laugh, like, think he's joking, like, oh, no, there are no purple lightsabers. And then he, like, gives him the Pulp Fiction stare and goes, I want purple. <laughs> and they're like, okay, purple. <laughs> purple it is. Yeah. Uh, sounds good. <laughs> I mean, Sam Jackson may or may not have made, like, the greatest. Like that's a really bold thing. Just mm-hmm. like, I want purple. Okay, I guess people have different colored lightsabers than yeah. red and blue and green. Yeah, yeah, that works. Like I really love that. I like that you can have orange or you can have like. Well, we even see it with the dark saber, like weird Tron yeah. lightning, yeah. Tron oh. lightning blade. I love that freaking. Um. So <laughs> he has his crystal, and Ezra goes out into the cave and sees Kanan still meditating, and Kanan is quite frankly flabbergasted that he found a crystal he did not expect that and he says it represents a big step in his training i think it's mm-hmm. i i think it's uh there's not too many moments in rebels that i think are funny um and i thought the joke was pulled off pretty well that ezra gets excited about it and he goes look what i found <laughs> yeah, but he has no hate and he doesn't, look what i got and he doesn't know what it is what is it um, I was like, ah, they gave me this puts what? it in his mouth <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh uh, I well, you know what too, like again, like we're kind of going back to this idea of like it almost feels like the force is almost like willing. Mm-hmm. It's willing this idea of like, here, you need this crystal. Totally. We don't have time for you to grow your stupid braid and grow out your stupid rat tail. Like we don't have time for that and give you a flat top. We don't have time for that. 
Here's your mm -hmm. crystal. Start practicing with your lightsaber. Start listening to your master. Take this seriously. If you take it seriously, the force will let you. Absolutely. Like it'll it'll let you let it in. Like, and I think that is what this episode from start to finish is really hitting is this idea of there's no set path. It doesn't matter yeah. which pick. It's all about the choices you make to get to where you're going. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I really love that idea of like, oh, you got a Kyber crystal? Kanan doesn't go, you're not ready and take it. He goes, okay. Yeah. If that's what if yeah. that's what the force is giving you, then hell, let's go make a stapler with a Kyber crystal in it. And then he's going to make a stapler saber. Yeah. Man, I, and I, was, I, I was wondering like, okay, if the force is giving him this Kyber crystal, like is it truly the will of the force to then turn it into a turn this kyber crystal into a weapon? What if the force was trying to be like, this is a renewable energy source that will save hundreds of worlds? Like, use this instead of oil. And they're like, I'm gonna turn it into a weapon. Not even a weapon, a sword. Yeah. Tight! And the force a is sword. The force is like, God damn it, that's supposed to be renewable energy. Like this is gonna uh, save the galaxy. Uh actually, if you were to take that to the bank, you could uh basically uh, raise the poverty line like wide <laughs> like you basically would end poverty in the galaxy like check it out <laughs> sword gun Lothal has a very big environmental problem and a very big poverty problem so yeah. <laughs> it could have been put and to better and Ezra uses. made a sword yeah not only okay so we're gonna we have to yeah, now we're gonna to talk that. about it we're going to talk about how he can so back on the ghost everyone's sitting around it's been weeks and Ezra has been, you know, fiddling away because everyone can build anything in Star Wars. Yeah, I and, do like, I do actually kind of like how they yada yada it because I don't think I, I need the scenes of him trying to build it. No, and I like how they're God, just. We do not like, need Big Hero Six. Yeah, no. it's just like <laughs> great movie, <laughs> great like, movie. But I don't need to see him struggling to build his no. stapler gun. Totally. No. So, all right, let's. Uh, we, I, I need everyone's opinion mm -hmm. ever on the completed stapler gun lightsaber <laughs> it, it is the worst lightsaber in star wars design i'm going to agree with you i think it's absolutely the worst i really don't like that he can shoot really don't yeah. like it i don't even like that they're it's not even like blaster bolts no it's like these weird like gumballs yeah. like laser gumballs it's weird i i yeah. hate it it's a little, that's the yeah. one the, if it's like one thing in rebels if someone's like what if you could change one thing i would say just give him a normal lightsaber or give him if you want to have fun with the shape, give him a double bladed or give him a, I would, I would even take like a, a trident <laughs> over like a weird state. Like it's just, yeah. it looks really ugly. Yeah. It's not, it's just, it's a, it, 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 I, nothing makes me feel more ashamed of being such a massive starsman than complaining about the way a Jedi's lightsaber <laughs> is designed. But like, oh yeah, it's the yeah. worst. It is consistent with his character because it goes from a crappy slingshot that shoots like yeah you know that's the thing like i it is I really in my like opinion it. the worst lightsaber design but the one upside is it gets him to throw away that stupid slingshot yeah if there's one thing we've learned ezra has very bad taste in weapons yeah. <laughs> in weapons yeah well uh, i feel conflicted about the inquisitors as well so i have oh that's like number two bro two it's just, yeah just well it seems so impractical Dooku's weird swivelly one. Ooh, i like that one that one's one of my no. favorites i love how he uses it he's so into yeah, like see, the, i'm into that one too oh, no, I, I, that one's I'm a big straight Dooku. baby i want my i want i want him to look like camera flashes <laughs> i don't want him looking like weird just i don't know yeah 
So gentlemanly. Um, but I will say, so they all gather around for show and tell. I like how they're just waiting around for him to make this for weeks. They don't yeah, like leave. They don't do, do other stuff. They're just like, he's making his lightsaber. Let's wait. Let's wait. Let's wait. And he finally comes out for the first time and he ignites the blue. And this actually gave me a little bit of goosebumps. <laughs> I thought this was nice. Yeah. Um, I, th- I thought it was cool. I will say this. I would never give him the moniker ignite the blue though. Only mm, only two characters okay. ignite the blue, my friend. Mm. Luke Skywalker. I guess I'll give you three. Anakin, Luke, and Obi. Okay. But e- yeah. Ezra has not earned... Uh, Ed- Ed- Ezra can have ignite the blue, shoot the gumball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, put the gumball. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the gum- ignite the blue. Would you Would you ball. like it better if when he shot, it like shot out like little rainbows? <laughs> and as one of those fruits yogans yeah yeah you're just like feeding people yeah and as we know only three characters ignite the green luke yoda and kit fisto mm. i'll take it kit fisto's a rastafarian <laughs> i love him rastafarian jedi he's no kiati mundi but whatever guys. yeah um so that's the end of the episode. I usually try to sprinkle these into the episode but i didn't find a very good way but i just want to hit a couple cool um easter eggs i found so in the temple when you first walk in there are symbols for the dark side and the light side mm-hmm. we've seen them they haven't been pointed out very clearly but we've seen them and i have a picture of them on here and if you notice they're actually very similar um the dark side is kind of like this jagged x and the light side is the same jagged x but oh. like surrounded in this weird cloud circle thing very yin yang. Yes, I I, th- I think what's really what what they're really playing with that I really like is because I I never really bought in this idea of gray Jedi mm-hmm. or like you can be in the middle. I don't think you can be in the middle. I don't think you can be like mm-hmm. a good guy that uses the dark side. I think that it's about your choice. Like there is, I think there is like a literal line in the force. And like, if you cross onto one side, you can go back and forth, but I don't think there's this area where you truly like straddle properly. That's my opinion. A lot of people will argue that until they're blue in the face. But what I do think is that they are one force. You're not using Uh, one or the other. Right. So like Mm -hmm. the, the, the force doesn't, you're not like corrupting it by using the dark side. You're not breaking it by using that. You're not br- you're not breaking it by using the light. The the force is in the idea of the balance for me is always this idea of like balance is how you use it. Balance is an internal choice. It's not necessarily like there's this weird pendulum mm-hmm. to me of like there are three Jedi, so there need to be three Sith, and it needs to be balanced. Balance to me is more of like an internal. Yin, yin and yang thing and i think you're never truly balanced until you learn to use the force in the way that works for you it's like an internal thing as opposed to this external thing in the force but that's just me yeah. i could be wrong i'm sorry please don't light up my twitter <laughs> internet i i don't i don't want to get into it but there. thank you i like <laughs> that take um and then one last easter egg is originally in the script old joe the bartender yep. and visago the criminal were originally in the script Helping Ezra oh. find his kyber crystal, but they were oh, thank luckily God. cut. That would have really ruined thank it. God. I know. That would have yeah. brought that down. I couldn't even imagine <laughs> how they fit in the story. This is so much that better. It's like, you know, Yoda with Frank Oz. Let's let's just get Visago back in there. That's what we Oh my God. All right. So so <laughs> at the at the end of each episode we we wrap it up with our overall impressions and feelings and we do it on this subjective grade scale. Uh, so I'll give mine. Peter will give his, just so uh, 
we're putting you on the spot a little bit. So on a scale of, for me, the worst thing is C-3PO is created by Anakin Skywalker. To oh, the, that's pretty bad. The best <laughs> thing being Luke gazing into the twin sunsets mm-hmm. while uh, John Williams' binary sunset theme plays. Most magical moment. I'm going to call this episode a Luke and Leia on the bridge in Bright Tree Village having their heart-to-heart, which to me is a solid A. Nice. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I love that moment. So, and I love this for in this season. This is a terrific episode. Yeah, um, mine's a little less sentimental, but my least favorite thing is Jar Jar Binks being farted on by an EOP and going be Yusa. Um, and my favorite thing is the lightsaber fight at the end of Return of the Jedi, where Luke's like no, and then they're like in the never. Dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never. Oh, yeah. I love that. Um. And also a Bright Tree Village thing, I will give this episode the crew being roasted over a fire when we find out that <laughs> the Ewoks are cannibals, mm, <laughs> which love I think it. is an A as well. All right. Uh, I will, uh, on a scale of Dexter Jetster's diner, the mm. worst thing, <laughs> Dexter Jetster, his diner, his robot, Jawa Juice, all of it encompasses the worst the worst three minutes of Star Wars and Luke staring out into the Twin Suns, maybe the greatest moment in cinema history, not mm-hmm. just Star Wars. It's everything. It's perfect. I can talk about that for hours. This, I would give this Obi-Wan and Anakin's fight in Ooh. Revenge of the Sith. Mm. I like it. I think it's super cool. I love it. For me, it's always been like a little, it's so epic that it actually feels like the climax of Star Wars in general, which to me, like it isn't. So it always feels like out of place. I just have to always remember it's the mm. climax of the prequels, mm. not Star Wars as a whole. Uh, so I, 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 I put it there. I really like it. It's something I enjoy watching. I'm very into it. But I, you know, if somebody was like, which, which force lessons do you want to watch? I'm still picking Empire Strikes Back or the stuff we're now seeing in Last Jedi. Yeah. Mm. Uh, what, 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 what letter grade would you? I would give, I would give this like a, a B. Okay. All right. I'd give nice. it a B for by by rebels standards. Yeah, that which okay, is what I'm going to do this. by. By rebels standards, yeah, I'd yeah. give it an A. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I'm by thinking Star Wars yeah. standards, it's a B. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah, I'm thinking within the, within the context of this season specifically as well. Like so oh, far, this season it's an A plus. Yeah, <laughs> this is it doesn't get much better this season. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, this is I think this is the best episode of season one. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Dude, thank you so much for having me, guys. It was crazy to talk about Star Wars with you and not punk rock, but I love I it. Know. So where can people find you? Make sure to drop Digital Vampiros website. Uh, Digital Vampiros, I think our... Uh, I don't think our pure volume still exists, <laughs> but one of the other weird ones still exists, like sound clicks or something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where it is. Don't go look for it. Uh, if you guys want to check out my Star Wars uh, YouTube show, you can go to blackseriesrebels.com, click watch, or you can click join the rebellion. You'll sign up for an email list. You'll learn about our pins, our stickers, our merch, all the stuff we kind of do to help raise money for the show. Uh, or you can go to uh, Twitter or Instagram at BLK Series Rebels, and you'll find all that good stuff. Awesome. Cool. Thank you so Sweet. much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. Well, that was fun. I enjoyed seeing Alex after so many years. Um, Mm -hmm. 
do you mind if I do a little deep dive? Yes. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry, a character <laughs> portrait. Do you mind if I paint a picture for you? No, you can do that, but you can't do a deep dive. Okay, that's fine. I'd rather paint a picture. <laughs> okay. Um. Okay, well, this week I want to talk about Yoda a little bit, if that's okay. Cool. Because if you think about it, this is one of the first times we've... Well, we didn't see him. We've heard Yoda since Revenge of the Sith, canonically. Mm. Um, he doesn't show up in Rogue One. He hasn't showed up in any books or comics in between. He has, but it all took place. Um, nothing happened between Revenge of the Sith and a New Hope. Yeah, there's a cool story in a certain point of view, but that's during A New Hope. Did you read yeah. that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where he's like... Well, I read the whole book, but I don't know why that's escaping me right now. Yeah, he's having like a conversation with... Oh. Uh, is it Qui-Gon? I don't remember who he's having a conversation with on Dagobah, and he's talking yeah, about no, how... Yeah, with Qui-Gon. Yeah, how he, he there's a child who needs to be trained. There's the quote-unquote new hope, and he's thinking it's Leia. Yeah. And he says he's been watching Luke, yeah. and Luke is stubborn like his father and doesn't want to train Luke, and he really hopes that it's Leia so he can train her because he doesn't like Luke very much. Yeah, I remember that. That was a good story. Yeah, that's dope. Um, we're kind of we're, we're off track. Let me pull this back on Yoda. So we know Yoda was born 900 years before the Battle of Endor, about, and that he belongs to an ancient yet unknown species, which I'll get into in a little bit. At around the age of 100, Yoda was ready to pass on what he had learned. He he had become a Padawan and been part of the, um, you know, he'd been training as a Jedi and having attained the rank of master at the year, about the age of hundred. So if you think about it, it took him a while to become a master. <laughs> yeah. Like if Anakin became a master, oh, he never did actually. But if Obi-Wan became a master, you know, human, human years are in his late twenties. Um, I just think it's funny that it took Yoda until age 100 to become a master. I mean, maybe things were different. I don't know. Mm. But that's funny. Yeah. And he would, he basically spends the next eight centuries <laughs> training and tutoring <laughs> generations of Jedi. And it's estimated that over his lifetime, lifetime he trained around 20,000 Jedi. Whoa. Which is crazy. What a Jedi. That. That's a lot of flipping Jedi. Wait, so I want to think about this for a second. Didn't they say at its peak... There were a hundred thousand Jedi. So Yoda trained 20% of all Jedi. Well, I guess no. it's no. Yeah. I guess the math is shaky because that's a, really. a, there were currently a hundred thousand Jedi. He could have like trained like 5,000, well, 800 yeah. years before Clone Wars. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. I, I take that back. And also, and also it's interesting that, you know, there's only three really notable Jedi that he's trained, though, mm -hmm. which are Qui-Gon, um, Dooku, and Luke. Like, those are the only, like, notable ones that you can find. Um, hmm. I don't know, you can find others, but those are only like, the major ones. Anyways, his homeworld still kind of, it's unknown, and his true species name is not recorded yet. Um, but for, and, like, for reasons unknown, George Lucas, like, maintains a strict policy of keeping the history, name, origin, and whereabouts of his 
species a secret. You know, maybe that's going to change now that Disney's taken over. But this policy has resulted in even um, certain Star Wars publications being canceled. This is really vague, and I couldn't find much more information on it, but like books or comics, things that were revealing stuff about Yoda were written and then pretty much like acts like, no, I don't want to do that. But then prior to the, we can't talk about Yoda if we don't talk about Yaddle. So prior to the creation of Yaddle for The Phantom Menace, Lucasfilm actively discouraged licenses from exploring Yoda species, wishing to avoid confirming that an entire species of Yoda-like individuals were necessarily, um, they ever existed. I'm glad you're getting into this because yeah. Yaddle always bugged me. Because I, I was well, under the impression uh, I before like Yaddle. Well, yeah. And I'm going to talk know. about, I'm going to talk about Yaddle right now, actually. I'm glad. I'm very but, interested in Yaddle, but the idea of it makes me like kind of bristle a little bit because I remember specifically before the prequels, that like this whole thing about Yoda being a secret and Yoda being the only known Yoda alien. So it was like weird that it ran yeah. them. Was it, wasn't it a girl Jedi that was his species was on yeah. the council, but they never pointed out. They never do anything about it. It was very odd. Well, that's because it was kind of an accident almost. It wasn't an accident, but they designed Yaddle originally to be Yoda. Like they're like, well, Yoda maybe should have more hair and look a little younger. <laughs> um, and they designed Yaddle, and then they were like, you know what, let's just make it like a, a another whatever Yoda species is in the movie. So then this younger-looking Yoda just became a girl species <laughs> of whatever he is called Yaddle. And um, they just plopped her into a chair in the Jedi Council. But there's some interesting stuff. Um, not all of it is canonical and I'm going to stay away from the legend stuff, but some stuff that's canonical about Yaddle, <laughs> um, cause I don't know when else I'm going to get to talk about her <laughs> is that she knew this technique called Morichu, which could slow, basically she would like slow opponents down to the point of death. Like, and I couldn't find, it's like you could slow like blood flow or like Whoa. heart rate, like everything about a person down to to if she wanted to to basically to kill them and so it's this really weird force move she had of really like really slowing a person like freezing a person to the point of death <laughs> um yeah but there's some and then there are some others there's a lot of stuff in legends about her about how she like her death her death is really weird in legends where she like saves anakin and obi-wan at one point when they're really young because she pretty much jumps on a grenade, but like absorbs the grenade into her body and that's how she dies. Huh. But that's legends. So um, around the time of Phantom Menace, she's something like 500 years old. Um, and she was the last member of the Jedi Council to die before the Clone Wars. And her place was taken by Shock T. Hmm. So that's interesting. Yeah. So jumping away from Yaddle, because there's no reason. <laughs> to really talk about her, except for I think it's really fun. Um, we don't know if Yoda is the last of his species, but as far as we know, um, he's the last canonical member of them to die. Um, as for his parents and ancestors, we have one clue. <laughs> <laughs> when asked what species Yoda is, George Lucas has only joked with two things. He's a frog. <laughs> And in the documentary From Puppets to Pixels, he joked that Yoda is the illegitimate child of Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy. 
It's like a weird dad joke. Yeah, I know. But (laughs) so that's all we have. That's awesome. So, you know, it's mostly silly. But during the time of Rebels, um, he's kind of he's isolated on Dagobah and he's able to see the Jedi who are active in the force. Apparently in like a meditative state, he's able to see this, but he can't see Jedi who have forsaken the ways of the Jedi path. Mm. So he can't like sit in and like, you know, Skype with Anakin because he's forsaken the Jedi path. Interesting. He could keep a mental contact with like the Jedi temples across the galaxy, such as the one on Lothal and telepathically converse with any Jedi within them. So they act as like, Force hotspots. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Um, and he was never active, actively able to have force visions. Uh, I mean, he was for he he does have force visions, but was not limited to, um, and didn't just have random spontaneous ones. But he's able to like kind of jump in. So he's able. That's how he's able to communicate with Ezra, because they have Wi-Fi. <laughs> um, however. He understood the Force prophecy was not absolute and that the future was always in motion. Kind of in... I see Yoda in opposition of Qui-Gon. Like, Qui-Gon is a very dogmatic, almost medical view of the Force. Mm -hmm. You know, when the Jedi were really at the peak of their hubris, kind of. And I see Yoda being on the other side. Him, his isolation in Dagobah. And in spite of all of his ability... The diminutive Jedi Master was ultimately unable to defeat Palpatine during that final duel. So sad. And he was forced to live in exile to fight another day. Hmm? So that's just, uh, you know, and there's tons to say about Yoda, but not a lot of it is new. Yeah. Um, But those are some of just kind of the um, salient points of things that I thought would be pertinent to this episode. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That was really yeah. interesting. Usually I yeah, just I say it's interesting, but I don't mean it. That time it was actually interesting. Cool. <laughs> interesting that you said that. <laughs> just kidding. Sure. Hey, all right. So I need your help on this one. I need like, what's something that's like really, really deep. Like. Unlimited power. (laughs) I don't even know what that means. Like not. Unlimited power. You don't know what that means? No, I do. But like, how's that deep? Okay. Wait, ask me again. Sorry. Okay. Like I, I usually use examples of things that are deep, but I need something that's like really deep this time. Sure. The galaxy. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I'll go Thank with that. You. Okay. Re- reverb me. <laughs> Don't worry, I did. We're about to get as deep as the galaxy. E, 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 e. Um, because. Um, I was going to, I was going to just talk about the force in this episode because there's a lot of cool force mysticism stuff. 
and I'm really into it. Sure. But the more I looked into, there's just too much to cover in one deep dive. And I already talk way too much in this podcast. So I'm going to start a series. It's not going to be every single episode, but we'll drop it in every couple episodes, a series on the force. So this is when this is the first session in professor Peter's force series. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. So there are two sides of the force. Do you know what they are, Mike? I mean, the dark side and the light side. Wrong. They're the living force and the cosmic force. So the dark oh, side and light totally side. came up in the, you're pulling this from Clone Wars, aren't you? Yeah. There's some really cool trippy stuff that I'm about to get into. So the, the a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people talk about the light side and the dark side. I think Alex alluded to it in this episode about, you know, there being gray Jedi and different types of the force. And there are lots of different religions and different philosophies on the force, but they're all tapping into the same force. So a dark side user is using the same force as a light side user. They're just using it in different ways. But what there is, hmm. is there's the living force and there's the cosmic force. So the living force is the energy between all living things. Um, okay. This energy flows into the cosmic force, which is the power that holds the galaxy together and communicates through the Medichlorians. So I like to think of the cosmic force as almost like the laws of physics um, and the living force being like an energy that powers it. Kind of like if gravity needed some sort of ev like energy to operate. Um, but as I mentioned, there are lots of philosophies on the force, but I'm mainly going to stick to the traditional view of the force from a Jedi perspective for now. But cool. before we get into that, I think we should mention the controversial midi-chlorians. So, yeah, I know, and I know you've brought this up before, but you, you have a theory. I don't know if you want to mention it about... Well, yeah, I mean, super quickly, basically, it's just midi-chlorians are just Qui-Gon's theory of the Force. It's not necessarily like a, a hard and fast midi-chlorians are what make you a Force user. It's just he was, he's a very medical, surgical kind of guy. And that's um, just how he viewed the force. So it's just mm -hmm. his theory. Yeah, totally. Um, so. And Lucas backs that up. Well, that, that was what was interesting. I like that reading of it. And I think that that's a pretty valid. And I'll get into some of the things that go into that. But I actually couldn't find any quotes from George Lucas talking about that. I might have just missed it. So we can revisit this later if, I, if we find it later. But what I did learn is midichlorians are not a new concept. George Lucas actually mentioned them in 1977 and wanted to include them in A New Hope. Um, and there's also a Clone Wars episode that makes it pretty clear that midichlorians are canon. So they do exist. What is controversial about them is what people's interpretation of what they mean. Um, there's this planet where they originate. Yoda goes there and according to Qui-Gon and the people on like the people on this planet, the Medichlorians are an intelligent, which I thought was really weird, microscopic organism that lived within beings and allowed people to connect to the living force and allowed the living force to connect to the cosmic force. So it's kind of like the pathways between all the different aspects of the force. They are measurable. Um, and every living being has at least one midichlorian, but Qui-Gon Jinn was obsessed with them, as you mentioned, and he was very scientific. So you're totally right on that. 
And he was convinced that a high midichlorian count leads to a high potential force power. Others like Yoda and uh, Mace Windu weren't convinced that there was a correlation. Um, but in 18 BBY, the spirit of Qui-Gon Jinn spoke to Yoda, which was a big deal because no one had ever communicated from death before. Um, it turns out that Qui-Gon had learned the secrets of immortality through the spirit of the force, but his training was incomplete. So he contacted Yoda and instructed him to go to Dagobah because it's a uniquely strong planet yeah. in the power of the force. And that would be the starting point for Yoda to complete Qui-Gon's training and discover the secret of everlasting life. A little cool tie back to this episode, actually. Um, I just watched the episode where Yoda learned all this. And when, because Qui-Gon can't become a fully fledged force ghost, he guides Yoda through the force using those twinkly lights we see in this episode that those same ones that guide um ezra Hmm. so on dagobah the force guided yoda to another hidden planet with five priestesses that took the form of all aspects of the force so each priestess that's great yeah this is what you were talking about about clone wars it's a cool episode yeah super yeah and yeah controversial but cool yeah totally because I know a lot of people who really don't like almost this kind of Greek mythology interpretation of the Force. And maybe not Greek mythology, but like it becomes more. I don't know. Do you know what I'm? Do you, do you know what I'm trying to yeah. say? Yeah. No, I get it because I think when midichlorians were introduced, a lot of people were upset because it's bringing a scientific view into a like metaphysical and spiritual thing um but the other hand is a lot of these people and i fall into this camp like i don't believe in a lot of spirituality and i don't believe in a lot of mysticism so it's a weird conflict within me where you know in real life i don't think any of this i think this stuff is a little not i'm not not gonna be offensive i'm just I, i don't believe in that stuff but when it comes to my star wars i'm like no medichlorians it's only spirituality and religion so it's like a weird push and pull between different factions but then also within oneself but that being Mm. said there are these five priestesses um and they're all they take they can they're shapeshifters and they take forms that represent all the different parts of the force so serenity joy anger confusion and sadness And these five priestesses put Yoda through a bunch of tests to see if he's worthy of learning the secrets that Qui-Gon Jinn only partially learned. He passed the trials and unlocked the secret to everlasting life and ended up passing it to Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm still not really sure how Anakin learned it, but whatever. We'll just roll with it. Um, Another like, so according to George Lucas, though... The force is available to all people. It is easier for some to tap into than others. So I thought that was interesting. He very specifically said while making the original movies that everyone has the ability to tap into the force, but some people it's either hard for them or they don't bother. He likened it to yoga. (laughs) Um, 
So an example of this would be some individuals like Yoda or Anakin have a natural ability to connect with the force, but people like Chirrut Unwe from Rogue One has like some aptitude with the force. Like he can sense things. Um, and he has obviously has some sort of connection with the force, but he had to devote himself completely to the study and practice of it only to demonstrate like the most basic of force powers. Um, Hmm. also the power to use the force can be passed down family lines um but force sensitive children can be born to parents with little force power i did a little research but it is unclear to me whether you can be a force squib meaning oh, you have two yeah. parents from harry potter. yeah from harry potter so that means you have two parents that are really s- strong in the force but then they give birth to a child that is not strong in the force yeah yeah um so that's just a quick, I mean, this is a quick primer to kind of lay the foundations of what the force is before we get well, into before the... Before you move on, can I say can I say a couple things about midichlorians? Just like two quick notes. Sure. Um, yeah. Um, first of all, here's one of the reasons I'm not a big fan of midichlorians. Okay. Lucas, who does borrow a lot from a lot of people, you know, from Kurosawa, from, you know, he's big on... Um, the Joseph Campbell, the hero's journey. I feel like he's taking midichlorians directly from those stupid flipping books. Um, A Wrinkle in Time, whatever that, the series of books. I don't even know what the series of books is called. I know that is a series of books, but I am not. Yeah. I am not familiar with that. But in those books, um, something super super similar is mentioned and i know they came out in 1970 the second the second one where they're talked about came out in 1973 so it predates a new hope um and they're even called something similar to metachlorians in that book Mm. um but i don't know but it just raises questions metachlorian just raised so many questions with me because it moves away from this like energy field this cosmic thing and like if metachlorians are real it's like does the dark side of the force have different, I don't know, like do midichlorians, are they affected like by your personality or like, cause when you're on the dark side of the force, so do midichlorians, are they different for you? So than that's the light side midichlorians and like, I don't know. So we'll get into some of this stuff as I go deeper down the rabbit hole of, like the mysticism, how different people use the force. This is kind of just a primer to set the stage of what the force is before we go into, you know, class number two and three. But, um, one of the things that I think a lot of people got mad about because it wasn't explained very well is that midi-chlorians aren't the force. Um, they just, you know, it's still debatable about what role they play in force powers. But according to Qui-Gon Jinn, for example, he would say that it allows someone to connect to the force. So it's, I'm trying to think of like a good example. It's like, like using jumper cables. Like you need to get power from one place to another place. So you connect them with jumper cables and the metachlorians are jumper cables. Um, so mm. in your example, like a Sith person would have metachlorians and use that to tap into the same force as a jedi they just use a different aspect of the force for their power like emotion and fear and aggression whereas a jedi taps into the same force using you know calmness and serenity and 
in peace to get their power. Um, and it, it led mm. to a ton of conflicts, which I'm really excited to get into in different uh, chapters. But I know what you mean. And I kind of alluded to this earlier, like in real life, if someone was like, you know, this person was healed by the power of their shock chakra and the third eye, I'd be like, stupid. But then like, if it happens in a movie I love, I'm like, no, take the science out of this, this movie. I, I only want mysticism. Um, and maybe that's part of the escapism yeah. I'm looking for. I don't know. Cause, uh, metachlorians don't bug me very much. I like, I, I kind of like the science of it, but I could tell, I know why people are upset about it. Yeah. I guess they bug me because we already had an explanation. We already had an explanation. We didn't need a second contradicting explanation. What explanation? Because, are you referring to? Well, I mean, we already knew that. I mean, Yoda explains the force in Empire Strikes Back, what it is, how it, you know, penetrates us and binds us. And, well, I mean, that's yeah. Ben saying that in A New Hope. But, you know, like, this is what the force is and how it works and how it connects and binds us. It's a, this living energy, right? We He explained it well. And it didn't, you weren't like, well, what's, I, after watching the first movie, I never was like, what's the force? I don't understand it. Can someone explain to me yeah. further? So the only reason I would like metachlorians is if they're being used to show how far the Jedi have fallen. So if that's not why they're being used, then I'm, I don't like them, but I don't know. That's, that's all. Yeah, I get it. I think that they can live in harmony, but I get, I get from a writing perspective. I think they're a bad idea yeah. now that they are Canon. I think the explanation is okay. Yeah. But I'm sure we'll debate Metaclorians many yeah. times. Oh man, we 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 we've been talking for a while this episode. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot to talk about. Cool. All right. Well, let's say thank you to Alex. Yeah. It was really fun. Check check out his show Black Series Rebels. I really really yeah. love it. I freaking order his pins. Um, I'm they make the most amazing pins. His buddy Cody Williams designs these freaking awesome pins. They sell out in like ten minutes, so you have to yeah. buy them with like at 9 a.m. when they release them on like on a Saturday morning once a month buy these freaking pins I have every single <laughs> one yeah um, they're great they're amazing um, follow them on Instagram to see those pins and get alerted of them and then also follow us on Instagram that would be swell as well um, cool yeah and uh, check us out we're on Twitter Instagram Facebook at Rebels Rebels Pod or Gmail at Rebels Rebels Pod at gmail.com and uh, until next time be brave out there and don't look back. Don't look back. Booyah. See you.